China at that time was easy to make a scapegoat for Americans' economic problems. We can't continue to allow China to rape our country, and that's what they're doing. Two years ago, we started this podcast discussing the U.S.-China trade war. Now, it is so much more than that. The U.S. has made virtually no progress on this after four years and uh, more than two years of a trade war. Uh, suggests that it was a bad strategy to begin with. And China will be as pragmatic as before in terms of business and commerce. These have not only benefited the average Chinese person, but they've also allowed the Chinese Communist Party to stay in power. I'm Chad Bray, senior business reporter at the South China Morning Post. And I'm here to help make sense of the latest headlines on China economics, diplomacy, and politics. The challenges I I see now will not be solved by the status quo. It will not be solved by more of the same. It will not be solved by business as usual. Every time when, you know, the United States says, let's do something, Australia will be the first to, yeah, yeah, let's do something. And New Zealand will, hold on, let's wait for a while. One of the uh, results of this pandemic is um, China's going to have to figure out how to build some trust in the world. China has lost all trust. Then you got these wolf warrior diplomats going around acting like Tony Soprano. Each week, I'm talking to editors and reporters in Hong Kong, Beijing, Europe, and Washington. We'll talk about the latest economic data. In the press conference, he spent quite a lot of time defending China's economic outlooks and economic targets. So you can see the situation is getting worse. Why the construction sector is doing bad? Because the supply chain has been disrupted badly. The politics of trade in the ongoing pandemic. It's been clear that there's been vaccine and mask diplomacy from China, as well as from these other places. Even though China's going out now with all this PPE and all the medical help to like 110 countries, I'm told, um, they do it in such a ham-handed way. Because when you get it, you're supposed to have a press conference and praise China for doing it. And people are insulted and embarrassed by that. It really, for the first time, it acknowledges the fact that the U.S. government and industry is perhaps not keeping pace with China in terms of technological innovation. And examine China's changing economic relationship with the rest of the world. China had to get rich before it got old, because even then they knew this was coming. And this is a clear show of willingness and determination and flexing its muscle, its power, you know. China will not be deterred by these kinds of words from G7 leaders. People are sort of starting to see, not necessarily yet about Xinjiang in particular, but just sort of China in general, you know, the issue of investments. Are we funding their economy? This kind of basic question. Just putting those two images side by side, you have one of African-American slaves picking cotton and another one of Uyghur workers. Also in the cotton field, I think that already drills into people's minds. There's definitely a message. If not the drumbeats of war, it's the definitely drumbeats of some kind. We'll also have our podcast regular, Finbar Birmingham. He'll be calling in from Brussels to give us the latest on the European Union, European Parliament, and its relationship with China. Thanks, Chad. It's a bit of an unusual experience, but great to be on the line with you. The China Geopolitics Podcast, every Friday. Subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. <laughs>